be sure to follow our website on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hertz, Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stull. Also, if you'd like to support the Hockey Hurts podcast, you can do so by going to the podcast page and sign up for a monthly donation. It is much appreciated. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for August 8th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week, some of the topics we are going to be covering are the is Austin Matthews, bypassing junior hockey and college hockey and going over to Europe to play professionally in his draft year, uh, why that may or may not be a good idea, and why he is actually able to do such a thing. Uh, Jakob Silverberg, or Jacob, not sure which, um, no, <laughs> signed in Anaheim. We'll discuss that deal. Brandon Sutter was officially given an extension, and Matt Cullen, surprise signing by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, we will start with Austin Matthews, and he is a very unique um, player in the sense that he's the first projected number one overall player to totally bypass North American hockey uh, during this CBA um, since the 05-06 lockout, and he's going to go and he's going to make $400,000 playing in Switzerland. what that Jesus. does, yeah, <laughs> you know, in your draft year, you can make $400,000 and not compromise your draft stock. Um, playing against adults, making money, is there anything not to like about this? Uh, injuries about it. It's the only thing I can legitimately think of in regards to it being a negative. Uh, otherwise, if you're Austin Matthews, it's thumbs up and away you go, really. I, I can't see a reason to think this is a bad idea. And, if we're being completely honest, that injury concern that you have follows a player no matter what league or level they're at. True, very true. It's just one of those things where technically you go, if it's a boy playing against men, um, you're more likely to get absolutely destroyed by men if you're the kid. So, this is the thing, I, I don't know enough about Austin Matthews in regards to any of those sorts of topics, but that would be my one fear if I was... A team in that that bottom five, and you're going right. I'm gonna get a chance to draft Austin Matthews. Then it starts to become a little difficult. But that season is gonna start this fall, and the mm. draft is until the late spring. So whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. The team won't be blind. Um, going in, correct. Um, so I really like it. But I would add that I only think this is a good idea for top prospects. This isn't really going to play out well for lower-end prospects that aren't as proven or highly thought of to go over there, um, at least from where yep. I said. I think this is more of a top-end player thing. And why I believe this is so great, avoiding the, CH, or avoiding the CHL, um, because of the transfer agreement, which is complete rubbish. You have to play junior <laughs> hockey until you're 20 years old or you've played um, four junior seasons. And why that's important is because a lot of these um, very good prospects, top-end prospects, aren't ready for the NHL right away. But they're Ooh. too good for junior hockey. If only there was this 
magical league right in the middle of both of them. I don't know, the AHL that they could go play at, but they're not allowed to in this transfer agreement. So this agreement does nothing to help um, the players' development at all. It's a very selfish agreement to prop up teams in Canada, and I don't think they need to be propped up. You hear about how great Canada is and they love it so much, then I don't understand why their hand needs to be held to keep these players playing junior hockey if they're not ready for the NHL. They should be able to move throughout the different levels that are more appropriate for them. This should be about the player, not not the league, at the developmental stage at least. Yeah, but that's not what those leagues are there for. They're there to make money, those junior leagues. That's the reality. They can say that it's about the development of the players, but it's not. They're a business, you know, and, and that's that's just how it is, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. They, as long as they're honest with themselves that that's what they are, then there shouldn't be a problem. Junior hockey is great. I have no problem with it. I have a very big problem with this transfer agreement. And furthermore, the CHL, very arrogant in the sense that they want to keep their players from going to the AHL, yet they're banning European goalies from being involved in, in their uh, in their drafts. So they're keeping certain players out and keeping certain players. You can't, you can't pick and choose like that. It, it, you know what I mean? I don't like that at all. No, no, I could appreciate that aspect of it too. It, it's, it's, it's hard. Leagues, junior hockey's a little bit like European hockey, I suppose, in that there's different leagues all the way throughout Canada, and they end up competing against each other. Like you've got that Memorial Cup, so they've got no reason to do each other favors. You still there, dude? Yeah. Um, sorry, I was just looking up the quote that I was looking for. Uh, Agent no, Ryan right, Bartlett fun. says, A good move for Matthews, but Zurich going to play in Zurich isn't trailblazing because almost no one else can follow this trail. And he gives some good parameters on why this may be a situation unique to Matthews. Late, his number one, he's got bullet points, one, two, and three. Number one, late birthday for draft, but turn 18 before losing much of the season parentheses because need to be 18 to get work permit Two, an exceptional enough player to both play at that level and warrants a team using up a limited import spot on parentheses many players with nhl experience have trouble finding jobs in switzerland and last not tied up in a chl contract for the year in question most kids with disability level would have already been under a chl contract so it would likely only be um NTDP or USHL players. So Austin Matthews fits this parameters, and I really like that he fit, he knew, and he went. Um, because now when he's drafted, even if it's not number one overall, we can assume it's going to be a top five pick regardless. Um, a lot of prospects aren't ready to make that leap right away into the NHL. We all think about the Sidney Crosbys and, and Steven Stamkos and, and some of those high-end, and McDavid and Eichel this year. But it doesn't always mean... NHL right away. Um, but some teams would rather force the NHL right away rather than send them to juniors. He doesn't have to do that. He can go actually go back to Europe next year, make good money, or they could place him in the AHL. There's no restrictions there. His development has a clean palette, which is tremendous. It's 
it's new, which is always scary for the NHL, I suppose. And I hope it works. I hope it works for him in a sense. It would be great to see, you know, a North American player piss off to the other side of the world, do well, get drafted number one, come back, and then you know do well in the NHL coming back. Whether it's you know they bring him back and put him through the AHL. I mean, they don't do that for, for Russians. I mean, you look at Ovechkin and Malkin and stuff like that. So, I mean, if this kid dominates, he'll come back as the number one and play first game of the year. And I think one of the bullet points that makes a lot of sense there and why it may be restrictive to the top-end players, they only have so many import spots, and usually they'll take ex-proven NHL players to fill those up. So he must be really good for them to take a chance. Oh yeah, that's that's a, a brilliant assumption to, to make for, for that exact reason. You, you're not just gonna, yeah, they're not just gonna take you on just because you might be alright. He's going to be talented to get you know, over there and, and get this opportunity. So that's good to see. Um, another benefit to this, uh, this is from Mike Colligan. Austin Matthews could theoretically come into the NHL as an unrestricted free agent on July 1st, 2020. So he's pushing up uh, his UFC, UFA state status, which if you're a player, you want to make more money, that seems like a very good idea. So his ELC, which he'll sign with his NHL team, will probably be, um, according to Mike Colligan, he believes it'll be only a two-year as opposed to the, the some of the more extended ones. So that that's actually really interesting because that might actually force the hand of, of the next collective bargaining agreement to try and get rid of those transfer agreements, you know, the ones that you were talking about just earlier. If the NHL, well, if owners and general managers want to have those ECLs last as long as they possibly can and avoid this Dustin Matthews sort of situation, they're going to have to get there and make it possible for players that are too good for junior but not good enough for the NHL to play in the AHL. They're going to have to find a way to stop that because the NHL doesn't want star young players taking off to another continent. They want to keep it all all at home. So it'll be interesting to see what the end result ends up being for this. Yeah. Um, time will tell, but I, you, you can't make decisions in hindsight, only foresight. And the foresight here, I really like things for Austin Matthews, and I hope other players that fall into this uh, kind of small niche of being eligible for it, I hope they take advantage of it and stick it to that stupid CHL transfer agreement that will hopefully end at some time. <laughs> so... That's my thoughts on that. I, the next, I, uh, I think the next CBA will do that. It's forced to hand. So um, next up, Jakob Silverberg, Anaheim. Um, he signed for four years, and I think he's going to make just a shade under $4 million, which I think is a really good deal for him. He has. Oh, it's beautiful. I've, I've been a big fan of, of Silverberg. I I think um, as good as Bobby Ryan is, I really think Anaheim got the best end of that trade. By a long shot. I, I really do think that they did a really great job of, of 
trading him at the right time, value very high. Um, if I were Ottawa last year, I probably would have tried to have traded Bobby Ryan and recovered some futures because he's at that point in time where goal scoring is going to start to decline for him. He's in his late 20s. Um, I know Phil Kessel falls into the same uh, situation. Unfortunately <laughs> for Bobby Ryan, he will not have Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin assisting him with this. He doesn't have the same help. Um, Ottawa investing huge money into him, on, and they're cash-strapped. They don't spend to the cap ceiling. So trading for a big money, like I think they misplaced their big... Uh, expenditure you know what i'm saying like they invested heavy into a player they can't do that with a lot of players but one thing one thing i do remember is that you were a big bobby ryan fan when he was in anaheim and there's still that thought process of he was coattail riding a little bit on the two you know i'd say future hall of fame sort of players that, that are there and i i thought he would have translated a little better to Ottawa, but he needs a, a top quality passing center to make him worth what they're now currently paying him. If he got shipped off to um, San Jose, imagine him with Joe Thornton. You know, they just don't have that player there as a visionary. You're right, they should trade him off for futures and, and look at recouping in a different direction rather than going, well, we forked out this. For him, we need to we need to go follow through on it. Just go, yep, I made a mistake. Move on. How else can we recoup what we paid for for Jacob Silverberg? They they needed to do that before they signed him to that really long contract, though. Makes him hard. To... He's not. You look at he's making seven point two five million for the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know when you were going to stop there. That's a, that's a long... And what's the thing? Like this, the, the good thing for Anaheim at the moment is that Silverberg contract is only a four-year deal. So it works out really well for the team and really well for the player. You get to the end of that contract and they can either let Silverberg walk or they can go, he's worth it, and then, you know, giddy up and pay up for him. So... It'll be interesting to see where that ends up because he really should end up being their second line center. He's good right now. Quick glance at the hero chart. He's getting third line minutes. His individual um, pr offensive production, his goals per 60 are middle third line. His assists per 60 are low end first line. And overall, his primary points per 60 are uh, high end second line. So very good offensively. Um, yeah. His impact on shot generation is high high end of second line shot suppression middle third line overall high, higher end second line and uh, so this, this is the beautiful thing about the the kessler signing is ignore what that's going to do down the track in regards to his output and what they're going to be paying him down the track but for the next four years ostensibly even if you just go to the next two years they've got a quality spine down that roster now you've got getzlaff kessler and Silverberg, and in reality, you can give Silverberg favourable starts because Kessler can take the, the stupidly hard minutes that you don't want Silverberg to take. Like that roster is really nicely constructed to succeed over the next couple of years. And Silverberg, I, I think, plays wing as well. So, because mm -hmm. <clears throat> I believe Andrew Cogliano, 
who is a decent enough third-line center. So I think Silverberg will eventually um, be a regular top-six winger for them, maybe play with Kessler because he's a right-winger. Well, he can do it. So I think Maroon maybe will stay with uh, Getzlaff and Perry, but then again I forget about they they have Carl Haglin, speed Oh, wow, I forgot about him too. Jeez, I tell you what, that Anaheim roster is just looking nice. Like, it's it's so cheaply put together as well. Like you were saying before about Ottawa, how they've got, like, that internal cap and they, they don't spend a lot. Well, this proves that you can create a contending team on a relatively shoestring budget. If you look at what they're going to be paying out for the 15-16 season, this is a cheap roster. And, you know, we've talked about that Kessler contract in prior podcasts and how we don't really think it's a great one. But it is only a $1.8 million bump from where he is. So they have they still have $16 million in cap space. They do have yeah. to sign um, – actually, sorry, that does not include DeSilverberg yeah. or Haglin has yet to be signed. So let's say they – let's – let me be pretty liberal with their money. Let's give them both $4 million. So they still have $8 million in cap space with a full roster. I know. I mean, they could be silly and go out and get Chara, couldn't they, at the trade deadline if they wanted? Hypothetically speaking, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just, you know, it's not really fair. They'll have to buck up. They'll have uh, Vatnin, Dupre, Lindholm, all on defense, RFAs. At least they're RFAs that should limit the money a little bit. But they're yeah. Frederick Anderson and John Gibson, also RFAs. So a little bit. It'll get tighter next year, but with the new Major League Baseball TV deal, whatever, whatever they're going to do with that, the cap should get a healthy little bump, plus the money from the expansion teams. At the time, it couldn't be better for Anaheim for all of those extra things coming in. No, they'll, they'll once again be uh, competitive in the Western Conference, and you know, getting other play other teams' prospects like they did with Silverberg, uh, trading away Bobby Ryan. And I, I, sorry, I cannot remember the other pieces that came with that trade. I know there were. But it shows you what it, it just shows you that it was literally a one for one feeling. Of the trade, like both of those two players you mentioned, were the centerpieces of that deal. What else went around it didn't really matter in the end. That's why it's always hard to trade the better player. First round pick also. In this situation, uh, Anaheim uh, did better out of this deal considering that Bobby Ryan was considered the substantially better player in the deal. And I think Silverberg will trend as the better player as time goes on. Mm -hmm. Just age-related stuff. And, And Bobby Ryan's been hurt a lot. That's what happens when you're a power forward in the league and the um, officials don't look after you. You have a look all the way through the 90s at all the power forwards that didn't play 70 games because of the way the game was called. So um, we have another extension, and that was Brandon Sutter. Uh, Jim Benning (laughs) held uh, his guns, Uh, Sutter being a... uh, Big piece moving forward for for the Vancouver Canucks. Five years in the neighborhood of four point four million per year. 
you know, well, you can probably guess how we feel about that contract. I want to try. I want to try and play devil's advocate here on this because you know we've done an extremely good job of not being particularly polite to what Brandon Sutter provides on the ice. And you get there and go, okay, so we can kill penalties, and he scored twenty-one goals last year. Is that still worth? What was the AVV? It's around four point four, just a shade oh. under, I believe. Uh twenty-one goals. And 40 points a year worth four and a bit mil a year. And you still sit there and go, I can't really try and come up with a good argument to say yes. Ignore ignore all the things that you and I think are important. 21 goals and nothing else is not worth four point something mil. And that said, Phil Kessel scored, what was it? 28 goals and got paid 6.8 mil. So Pittsburgh had better hope that his output increases next year. Yeah, he's going to have to. And the interesting stat that I believe Sportsnet put out there, mm-hmm. he's the first non-over 40-point player ever to, to make this kind of money. Um, I don't yeah. find that as a great sign. Like you're you're banking on him hitting his ceiling all the time even though the yeah. ceiling's not, like, super high. Like, there's no wiggle room here. He has to hit his ceiling. Well, it, the other the other thing that's tough is, you know, the parting shot that Sutter kind of left for the all the fans or the, the, the Pittsburgh crew or whatever you want to call it in regards to feeling like he didn't get enough respect for the work that he put out on the ice. No one ever said that he didn't work hard. It's just that he was bad at working hard. You know, like you could tell he tried. You could tell he had that famous quote-unquote Sutter heart and, you know, worked his ass off. But it still doesn't make for the fact that can't win a board battle. Puck's in the other, in his defensive zone more than it is in the offensive zone. And it, it, makes for, it, it makes for bad offensive flow for a team that relies on its offense to win games. Yeah, so Vancouver is going to... I don't know. They put all their chips, not all their chips, but a lot of chips on a guy that has to, like I just mentioned, play to his ceiling. And I just think that's not great risk-reward management there. So I'll leave it at that. Um, It's done, over with. It deserved to be mentioned. So um, we'll segue on to another um, player who... I wrote about in May as a potential UFA replacement for Sutter before they got fair and Benino. Matt Cullen signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins one year, $800,000. And I love the move for Pittsburgh. And it's just another sign of them looking at some underlying numbers and rolling with them and also not committing long-term to a bottom six player. Well, not only is he a bottom six player, he's 38. Which doesn't matter on a one-year deal if he's nope. productive during his one year with the team. So age, to That's me... exactly right, yes. If never you can is pro- concern. No, if you can produce and you're on a one-year deal, great. It means either the same team or another team will give you another one-year deal. But you do not sign a guy at 38 years of age or 36 years of age and give him a two-year deal. You just you just don't know what's going to happen with that player. And it's, I, I remember back at the start of the season that just finished up, you and I were extremely concerned in regards to what Rutherford was going to do with this roster. Was he going to 
blow it up because the old school method was where you've got to trade a, a superstar to get to buy in more depth into the rest of the roster. Well, Rutherford's done a beautiful job of taking the advice of, of, of people that have gone, no, you don't have to do that. We can improve the depth of this roster in another way. And he's gone about it. Credit where credit's due. I was doubtful this could happen, and it has so far. The, the thing that's hilarious about this Penguins roster is that um, the two parts of the team that were strengths and weaknesses are now flipped. Last year, it was forward depth that was a negative, and, and it was the defensive depth that was a positive. Ignore the injuries, saying that. Flip yeah, you it can't over plan to... for injuries. They had a great yeah. defense grouping that never got to play together last year with uh, Latang, with this you know awful hit from Shane Doan that was just a rubbish hit. Unnecessary, yeah. Uh, Mata with um, cancer and mumps. Pouliot and a shoulder. Sh- Ju- uh, was Pouliot a concussion or a shoulder at the end of the year? Pouliot was a shoulder, um, and he had shoulder problems earlier in his career as well. I remember he had shoulder surgery. Erhoff, a concussion. Martin just playing 400 minutes a game. Um, so their looked, top 5D were cooked at the end of the year, but they had if, really good depth. Yeah, if you could put that back six with this forward 12 that they've got, I would have no problems being a Penguins fan saying the only thing that would stop them from winning the cup would be my favorite player. And with the season he had last year, I'd bet on it more often than not. So it's funny how that has totally reversed around now, and it is the youth of the back six that is the concern for a lot of fans, more so than the lack of depth up front. So it's an exciting year for Pittsburgh. They totally revamped every problem they had on forward, like literally in one offseason. It's really Mm. remarkable. And it goes to show you, you can make these simple choices if you just target and look at certain things and you can get players at certain price points if you target the right things and we preface all of this with saying yes game one has not been played and yes there's a full 82 games to play and yes pittsburgh does not have a great history of staying healthy however it's a nice change because even if this penguins team does get injured they will play a much nicer style of hockey as a fan that i want to watch and you're not going to get there and throw beanbags at the TV because the puck is stuck in one end of the zone when... You, you watch games with beanbags next to your couch and toss them at the television? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, i got a good TV. I just want to throw little things at it so that, you know... <laughs> just kind of can't throw big stuff at it because it'll break it. So you've got to be careful. <laughs> but the point I am trying to make here is that it's going to be much more fun watching this team because there it looks as though there's going to be four lines that can at least manage the puck, as opposed to having it be a grenade. So the big thing for the Penguins is making sure that the the D pairings they have out there can still get the puck to the players that need it the most, and that would be whenever Crosby and Malkin are out there, Chris Letang should, in theory, play a truckload of minutes this year, whoever he's paired up with, because you want him skating that puck out of the zone and being that fourth guy on the rush when you've got Stars. Crosby Kessel and you know Crosby Kessel and Hornquist or whatever combination of that top six they have out there, if you can get that man and he's young enough and fit enough to play thirty minutes a game, he's like Drew Drew Doughty. He but, just needs to not get hit in the head. But here's the nice part about their forward depth now. 
the same argument, and I, I agree with you. I, I love the idea of Latang always playing with uh, Crosby or Malkin because they just totally elevate each other to a stratosphere that very few um, players can reach in this league. Uh, mm. but, but even if Latang's out there with a the fourth line, let's say it's something like uh, with Cullen and, and Bo Bennett. Bo, Bo Bennett having Latang and, and activating as an other forward, that fourth line can make skilled plays with the puck in time and space. That's something that so, was going to yeah. be chip and chase nonsense the last three years. That's well, gone. Latang can gamble now, and, and that's something he couldn't do, knowing full well that if you have actually got Cullen on that fourth line, he's at least going to be able – he at least knows that they're not going to just throw the puck away because they can't handle it. So he can take that gamble. So it'll be, it, it, and he's not the only one. I mean, Oli is really smart. He doesn't have quite the same foot speed as Latang or the offensive flair, but he pinches down an awful lot. And and having players that he knows um, can handle the puck on the blue line, if he does pinch, will probably make him a little bit more aggressive than he would be previously. Who knows what you're going to get at Ben Lovejoy? He's not going to be asked to be a number three. Hopefully, he's asked to be a number five. The Lovejoy trade, as much as it sucked, and you know that I absolutely hated that trade, you play him where he's expected to be, which is a number five or a number six, he's going to give you the production you want out of him. He will be better than what he was last year. He was just too far up the depth chart after all those injuries. Yeah, he's here now, and there's no, you can't go back. And like you said, that doesn't change my opinion of the actual trade, but he's there. No. He is an okay bottom pairing defenseman. If he gets to play there. Correct. So he, he'll start there, I assume. I assume they'd rather give Derek Pouliot and Ian Cole the crack at the Oh, the please do. Four. Um, <laughs> please do. And then you're left with maybe Brian Dumoulin, Tim Erickson, Adam Clendenning fighting for that spot with Lovejoy. Notice I left out a certain defenseman on there. Let's not go there. Moving on. Moving on. Um I'm not moving on. He's he's a boom <laughs> on there. Rob Scuderi is one of those choices from a, the prior regime that's biting them still. Um, it didn't take into consideration some of the advanced metrics, and it's caught up with them. And that extra $3.375 million would be really handy right now with somebody like Cody Franzen still looking for work. Oh look, I'd even say Christian Ehrhoff as well, but you, you are you are right in that sense. But you you, you get there and go. Rutherford's managed to wash everything across. That's the only one that's still hanging. That's not a bad effort. But you know you can only realistically do so much in one off season. And he has done an incredible amount. What have a have a look at uh, every other team sort of in the NHL. Buffalo had the, the most breathing room in regards to totally turning around their roster once they got Jack Eichel. Uh, has anyone else in the league transformed a, a massive hole as much as Pittsburgh have? I like um, I beat up Calgary a lot last year because they were a dreadful possession team. They have got a long way to change in that, though. You are right. Getting Dougie Hamilton is huge yeah. in that. So now you got Giordano and Brody that can continue to be just a terrific pairing. And then Dougie Hamilton being there can kind of prop up maybe some of the other guys that are... Uh... It'll be a great test in regards to 
everyone sort of looked at Colorado and, and, and Calgary as, as twins, if you get what I mean, in regards to the way this the Colorado season, or the Calgary season sort of went last year. So they didn't sit on their laurels. They didn't rest on their laurels. Though. They didn't sit on their hands. They went, all right, there are obviously flaws in this team. How do we go about fixing them? And they, they went a long way in, into doing that by getting Dougie Hamilton, and who's a, a, a strong, positive possession hockey player. So it'll be really interesting to see if the changes that they've made do make the job of their goalkeeper easier um, than what both of their guys did last year. So really impressed with what, what's going on in Calgary at the moment. They got for a week as well, didn't they? Yeah, I was just going to say they added for a week who um, plays into, you know, possession and, and weaknesses that they had. Uh, you have Johnny Goudreau, Sean Moynihan, and uh, Sam Bennett, another year older which those three are pretty exciting young forwards to have. Uh, if Yuri Hudler has another really decent year. I've always been a fan of the way he plays. I think he's very underrated in regards to what he can produce, and it was really good to see him get rewarded uh, points and goals-wise last yep. year, I suppose. For another everything. one of those former 07, 09 <laughs> uh, Detroit Red Wing monsters. Uh, Phil Pola yeah. being another good example of moving on and getting to spread his wings a little more, um, doing well. So Phil Pola to me feels more enigmatic than than Hoodler. They're two very different players. It might just be the fact that Phil um, Pola's got you know, badly dyed blonde hair, um, and he, he he sticks out a little bit more on the ice, and you expect a little bit more from him. But yes, that that era of Red Wings, the guys that did, did leave, um, have done well for themselves. So, um, anything else? Mm, uh, no, I, I think we'll we'll move on from anything else that's happened of late. There's um, you're under a time constraint, and um, you need to push off to a wedding. So. Yes. I think we should say uh, au revoir to everyone, and I'll go and fix the website because I broke it. <laughs> yeah, so um, we'll get the podcast uploaded. It'll go to iTunes or the RSS feeds like that, and we will, of course, tweet out the links when while she gets outside. I have now also put a direct link through so you can listen to it just through the website. Um, just follow the link, hit play, and you can play it through there. So... Um, there's that third option there now as well. Um, and as always, if you do the iTunes thing, give a review. It'll uh, push us up the list and uh, get us some more exposure. So much appreciated. And, um, yeah, we'll see you next week.